Let's Ooh, play let's some do. music. Welcome to Caching in the Northwest. This is the only podcast from the birthplace of geocaching in the great Pacific Northwest. We're going to talk about caches and cachers from here and around the globe. So while you're busy tossing your neighbor's leaves back over on his side of the fence, we'll be caching in the Northwest. That's right. And that means, well, that means it's time to bring in our goofy, is it galata or gelata? See here, I'm top of my... I don't know. It's a type of monkey, though. uh, Google says so. Okay. Some say he's the next best thing to being alone. And others say, just like the Vatican, he's famous for his mass. All we know is he's called Land Monkey. Hey, is that a fat joke? (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Mass and weight are two different things. (laughs) All right. Hey. It is great to be back. Um, I am loving the fact that this is a couple episodes in a row now that we've had the whole cast. This is this is awesome. <laughs> I know. This is <laughs> and uh, of course, we also have Keats94 joining us. Keats, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back on. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I also want to throw out our usual quick reminder right off the start of the podcast that we appreciate the support of our patrons who help to keep this podcast coming each and every week. If you want to know more about supporting the show, click the Patreon link on the cachingnw.com website. And if you want to know who a patron is, wait till the end of the show and I will try and say them all in one breath. Hold your breath now. Oh, that might not end well for me. You won't make it to the end of the show. (laughs) Oh. Hey, our, our thoughts and prayers go with those who are in the path of Hurricane Michael there in the southeast. That uh, It's been a devastating storm, and so we're thinking about you all. Now, each and every week, we like to talk about the glow or the geocaching log of the week. Whether you wrote it or whether you read it, we want to hear about it because great logs simply make geocaching better send an email to feedback at cachingnw.com call in to 253-693-TFTC that's 8382 if you're playing on the game at home or use the voicemail tool on the website and show us how you glow that's right and we love the glows as he as he said and this week's glow demonstrates it doesn't have to be a found log this is a dnf log that made the glow this week it came from, who's, who sent this in? Harvey's Pack. It's Harvey's Pack. I, I, it's not always the person that wrote the log is the one that sent the log oh, in. sure. So just looking to see if there was a different contributor. But Harvey's Pack couldn't find traditional cash Xena's Xenopus Xanthic X-rays Zigwa. That's why we the gave log, this one to you. The, <laughs> log is, <laughs> the log is an exhortative account of our visit to Ground Zero. We have a travel bug that is on a mission to visit X caches. So we drove down from Olympia to drop it in this cache. Never happened. Why? 
not because we couldn't find the cash, but because we accidentally excited a nest of yellow jackets while attempting to execute the find. Needless to say, those guys were extremely exasperated with us. We exited the area as quickly as possible, but it was too late to escape. My husband was lucky and only got stung once while trying to remove the wasps that were stinging our dog, Harvey. The same can't be said for Harvey and myself. We each each sustained at least 20 stings. Luckily, we carry Benadryl. The ordeal must have been a sight to see for the passersby on the highway. I had stripped down to my underwear in an attempt to lessen the attack on myself, and my husband was removing wasps and stingers from Harvey's tender bits. Poor guy hurt so bad he couldn't even sit down during our journey back home. We have made it home safely, and we'll be resting for the remainder of the day. We'll be back when the wasps are wintering. Until then, we recommend treading lightly near Ground Zero. Another adventure in the books. Oh my goodness, 20 stings. Yeah, that was each. a... Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. terrible. They were ruthless. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the poor dog's tender bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Probably bad. the kibbles, too. Yeah. <laughs> now, was it the dog that couldn't sit down the rest of the way home, or was it her husband? I don't know which. Yeah, poor guy. Yeah, one of the two. I, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah, that's going to hurt. I, uh, yeah. I've reached into the end of a... Uh, guardrail and got stung with one wasp and i said that's it i'm done for the day yeah i it just made me angry. watch those those darn guardrail caches you gotta yeah. always check first you gotta look first before you you stick your hand in there so often i have found wasp nests in guardrails mm-hmm. um, i have this i have this deep fear of well i mean it used to be a deep fear of, of wasps because uh twice uh when i went to minicata provincial or regional park and uh just around Port Coquitlam area, um, I, I stepped in two wasp nests. So I have I associate Minicata Regional Park for uh, for for wasps, and it, it not not fun. It's like a they're they're like a tornado of 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 yellow when they when you disturb their nest. So wow. So for you, the entire park is just overrun with wasps. Well, I mean, I. I yeah, it happened a long time ago, but I still I still associate that park with those with those evil evil yellow jackets, I tell you. So yeah, there's nothing good about them. I don't know. No. I mean I guess they're they're in the food chain there somewhere. They they serve a purpose of some sort, but mostly I think the purpose they serve is fodder for flamethrowers. But yeah, I have ooh. yet to find that that uh, useful purpose. <laughs> the easy way to get around them though, when you're caching. Is just catch with Chris and send him in first. There you go. That seems like that works. It worked for me. Hey, uh, yeah, but I don't like that. <laughs> uh, Land Monkey, when uh, we were out at GeoCoin Fest, uh, there was a guardrail cache, and I looked in, and sure enough, there was a, I don't know, bee or wasp nest. I didn't mm-hmm. care. I saw honeycomb shapes, and I said, nope, it's not in there. Um, yeah, G- yeah, yeah. <laughs> not those kind of honeycombs oh now i'm hungry <laughs> gsm times two says i got 26 stingers one time not uh, good. Uh, that is not good to which avroers is wasps they need to die yeah yes precisely i mean they don't pollinate anything right like they're they're not like bees I, so I think they, they eat like rotting meat and things like that i think they're well, a i do that too <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of other insects that do that. I don't think we need wasps. I think we're no. good without them. 
Uh, hey, I mentioned GeoCoin Fest, and we got an email from <gasps> Tick Magnet, who we met at one or several of the GeoCoin Fest events. Yeah, he says, did. that was cool. Hi, Cashing in the Northwest crew. I made it home for my adventure to the Northwest, which is always good, by the way, to make it mm -hmm. home from an adventure in the Northwest. Big highlight for me was getting to meet Chris of the Northwest and the Land Monkey. What great guys. Thanks so much for sharing your time and hospitality. I really appreciate the fun conversations and count you among my geo friends. Thanks. I was amazed to hear how much time and work goes into your weekly podcast. I can't thank you enough for all you do for our sport. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. It It is nice to be appreciated for, for our efforts and he's right. There is a lot of work that goes into putting this on every week, but, but we wouldn't do it if we didn't enjoy it. And, uh, we hope you guys enjoy it and that's why we do it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's always nice to meet somebody, you know, that you've seen or heard over the internet or just talked to through chat to meet them in person. So. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, for all you guys who are watching this live, um, hi. <laughs> <laughs> And, Hi. And, oh, hello. And it, and it is neat because we I think we've talked about this before. It's kind of a one-way relationship when you're doing the podcast. I mean, we, we talk with each other here and we're interacting and um we we try and interact with the chat the best we can. But when we get the opportunity at an event to actually meet you guys and, and meet you face to face and talk with you, uh, it's really rewarding for us because then we get a lot more yeah. interaction with you than we would normally get. So it's, it's, you know, if you're at an event and you know, we're there, find us. We'd love to say hi. Yeah. Love to, love to meet you. Love to chat. And please take pity on me and come up and introduce yourself. Cause I often don't recognize your face based on the name in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow those don't connect. For yeah. You. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, you exactly. didn't look like a tech magnet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, so yeah, that was great. And it, and it was, it was awesome to meet Tick Magnet and we met, oh my goodness, we won't go into it right now, but maybe we'll talk about it in the after show. We met so many people at, um, GeoCoin Fest. Um, it was great. A great time. All right. But, um, speaking of the after show, just as a reminder to everybody, if you want to discuss something in the after show, remember to use the hashtag FTAS or FATAS. We will, uh, then... Uh, that'll be the flag to make sure that that gets picked up and dropped into the after show. And uh, yeah, Brian's got that mentioned in there as well. Thank you. So that will be our way to know that uh, it's something to talk about. And I'm just going to throw one more thing out for the after show. Hash here's my hashtag Patas. <laughs> I want to talk about what Wits End did last weekend in the after show. So there's my hashtag Patas. Oh, there you go. Well, looking that, forward to it. <laughs> that is the uh, the appropriate time because the after show is for. All topics not related to tonight's topic. And tonight's topic is hiking mountains for geocaches. And we have a special guest, returning guest. Yes, he's been on the podcast before and came back. It's Eve list, he's Eve listed as a uh, Caching Northwest special correspondent. So, Keats94, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's fantastic to be back on this excellent podcast. It's, uh, thank you so much for having me on. It is oh, an excellent shucks. podcast. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> I'm just pointing out the obvious, folks. I, you know, <laughs> no, it's awesome. And it's factual. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Keats. And, yeah. and we're really looking forward to 
talking about this topic and, and we are recognizing your expertise in the area, uh, mostly because we see lots of great pictures on Facebook and Instagram of you finding these geocaches in some pretty remote areas. So um, maybe you can start off by telling us about some of the places that you've been hiking this summer and fall. Well, um, okay, yeah, where do I begin? Uh, start with probably late August. Uh, so um, it was it was a yeah it was an absolute privilege to see some amazing places, primarily in British Columbia um, in the last uh, month or two. But uh, I took an amazing uh, hashtag uh, geocache road to to Lillooet, uh, BC, um, and it's located about 110 kilometers uh, north of Whistler. Um, and so that's kind of the, the general area of where it is. You, you, it, what, what's really cool with going between uh, Whistler and, and, and Lillooet is that you get to see uh, the, the landscape change um, from usually uh, from where, where Whistler is. You'll see towering mountains, you know, going way above the tree line. And then and then all of us and with like, you know, thick, big, you know, evergreen trees. And then all of a sudden when you go, you know, a little bit through uh, north of Joffrey Lakes, um, kind of halfway between Whistler and Lillooet, uh, you start to see the landscape change and uh, you kind of see uh, kind of a semi-arid desert-like climate, which is which is actually uh, part of quite a large area uh, in the interior of BC. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there are some excellent geocaches in Lillooet, um, including some some gold country caches, part of the gold country geotour. And uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's a really excellent place. There aren't that many um, directly in the town, but when you go out further, uh, when you go out into you know uh, on steeper terrain, uh, that that's where you'll see a lot of them. And uh, excellent history, um, amazing uh, uh, facts about it. Um, and also, actually, um, uh, uh, Lamaka, I was going to uh, mention that there is an earth cache actually in downtown Lillooet, and it talks about BC Jade. Um, and uh, the, the GC code for this one is uh, uh, GC14Alpha X-Ray 0. I made sure I, uh, I put my military codes in there because I'm not <laughs> quite rehearsed yet on that on that. Uh, you, you can put um, a cheat skill. sheet at the bottom of your <laughs> computer wallpaper. Exactly. I've done that earth cache. It's a neat one. I, I like it. It is. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a very simple one, but it, it really shows uh, what, what's what's great about uh, about that part of the province. Well, I mean, um, well, so I'm just going to talk about that earth just for a moment. But you can yeah. some stuff when you're doing that earth cache. You're right. It's a fairly simple one. But you see a few things that you don't normally see at that scale. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's fascinating. It's it's so cool seeing seeing those those slices of of jade and it's they're so vividly green. Mm. So very very cool. And uh, yeah, I mean Lillooet's Lillooet's slogan is is guaranteed rugged, and it, they they captured that so well uh, because the mountains are so uh, so sheer and so interesting. They they have so much color to them. They've got a, amazing granite faces, um, and and you can actually see. Uh, kind of the the layers uh, almost they're they're kind of like I don't know what what I, you'll, you'll have to correct me on this but they look like glacial striations but they've got like the layers of the layers of rock um, and uh, yeah I mean really excellent and the Fraser River runs runs right through um, and so it's quite a quite an idyllic place I, I, I would say um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah if you're gonna take a Highway 91 or Highway 99 hashtag geocache road trip. Uh, be sure to check out Lillooet. Yeah, if you take sure. the Highway 91 geocache road trip, you're not going to end up there. Not at all. No, you'll hit uh, um, uh, not Peace Arch. Anyway. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check that place out. There's some excellent caching opportunities out there. Um, I also headed out on an overnight hike to Wedgemont Lake. Um, and Wedgemont Lake is in Garibaldi Provincial Park. And uh, this, this fantastic park is, is located uh, just east of, of Whistler, kind of actually between Squamish and Whistler to be, to be more precise. But uh, um, it's home to a vast swath of, of stunning hiking, varying from, uh, you know, from easy to, to requiring climbing rope. Um, and and Wedgemont, the Wedgemont Lake hike in particular is considered rather difficult. Um, it's about seven kilometers or, or 4.3 miles uh, along uphill switchbacks and scree slopes. It's brutal, but the rewards are worth it when you're at the top. Uh, Wedgemont Lake is stunning. It's a stunning turquoise lake uh, surrounded by mountains that are uh, that effortlessly make your jaw drop. It's it's quite it's quite something. Um, uh, it's you know I mean if you go up. Oh, he froze. He he's, got so excited about Wedgemont Lake. Well, he's talking he's, about the glaciers. Oh, that's what happened. All right. He's moving. So the speed of a glacier. <laughs> so, so while we wait for Keats's network connection, Sorry, you get to the, there oh, he is. Almost. Oh, sorry. Am I, we lost you for a moment. You were You're just back. talking about oh, your no. jaw dropping. You're just talking. Oh, about okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic, uh, area to, to check out. And actually while you're up there, um, I spent a night in the hut up there and, uh, with, with, with some people, it was, it was very interesting. We were glad that we all got along so well, cause it was very tight sleeping, sleeping quarters, but anyway, <laughs> it was, awkward it was, real fast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I asked them if I, if I snored and they were like, no, you were fine. And they were kind of like, <laughs> you know, they were kind of hesitant and, and went with that answer, but anyway, um, <laughs> um yeah so i i i i went up there and i um on the way back i thought you know i'll i'll check out i'll, I'll check out this this glacier that uh, these folks were, were telling me about and i i walked along it's about 30 minutes um and you get to, to to wedgemont glacier and it is a fantastic um glacier to check out and, and um it was so fantastic that i decided i would hide a geocache there um i actually don't think it's been found yet i haven't had any mm. notifications about it so, so it's a physical uh, cache like a traditional yeah, like a like a traditional. Um, and actually, uh, with with in that same area, you'll you'll see a um, an, an earth cache as well that talks about glaciers and um, and the rate of climate change. And you know, um, I, I remember way back when when I when I was the first time I went up to Wedgemont Lake, uh, the glacier was considerably lower, and now it's now it's receded quite a bit. So it's a it's a sad sad sight to see, but it's very educational when you get up there and you read the earth cache and you see what 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 happens. And you know. Glaciers do regenerate, you know, depending on the rate of climate change and, and or you know, climate cooling, for for example. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great great place to check out. Um, uh, bring bring adequate hiking boots. Make sure your hiking boots are nice and water and rewaterproofed and washed, um, because it's it's a very treacherous hike. But um, yeah, I mean, if you just take your time and you'll 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 get there. It's 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 excellent. There you go. So Wedgemont Glacier. Wedge Mount Lake. Nice. Yeah. By the way, Kyle McClashen says yes, he does snore. <laughs> okay, just saw that. Oh, welcome to the chat, Kyle. <laughs> so, Thank you. So this may be a hashtag for Das, but yeah. now I don't know why Kyle would know that. <laughs> oh, we go camping. Uh, yeah. And a bunch of friends. I, I I apparently sound like a freight train. So keeps the bears um, away, I heard. Yeah. 
I, I just growl at the bear's back while I'm sleeping. It's great. <laughs> so, so Keats, you were telling us about going up to Lillooet. You've talked about Wedgemount Glacier. Any other spots that you want to mention? Uh, well, I, I went to visit my aunt and uncle on, on Pender Island, and and there's some excellent geocaching opportunities out there. I'm, I'm telling you, like, you've got this, there's this one cacher out there that has populated about a, a good a good chunk of the island. His, his, his username is Bird Seeker. Yeah, those are and, those uh, epic Epic. Epic catch, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you, you know them. Yeah, they're they're really good ones. Um, um, so definitely worth worth checking that out. Uh, lots of great beach access caches. Uh, caches. So if you're into excellent viewpoints and um, seeing seeing different, you know, little gems of Pender Island, then then definitely check it out. Um, and uh, actually, also hiked to the top of of Golden Ears Mountain um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and that was. That was great. It was cold. Um, I'm glad I brought my gloves. Um, it was windy once I got to the top. And it was it was funny because I was I was you know I, I was getting up there and, and we were passing some some hikers on the way down and there wasn't any wind whatsoever. I was sitting, but you know we were passing the hikers and they were like, yeah, it's it's really windy up there. And I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, sure, sure, surely you're 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 joking. And then we got up there and it's like gale force wind. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I've had that as well when we did um, which uh, frosty. In oh, I've heard great things about Frosty. Yeah, it's it's an amazing hike. Um, we went up there in September, I want to say, and we got an FTF on a cache up there, which was great. I uh, had to cross a snowfield um, just before we summited, um, but it was the same kind of thing. It was like it was nice uh, through the trees, and then you get out of the trees and you're going across the the you know the large plateau before you go up onto the summit, and it's you know it's not windy, it's nice. And then as soon as you get up onto that summit, that wind is just kicking. One of my coworkers accidentally found the geocache at the top up there. And she was like, oh, I found the geocache up there. And I was like, thank you for keeping it there. <laughs> Not bringing it home. <laughs> <laughs> Look, somebody left their Tupperware like, for so... lunch. I'll bring it back home with me. <laughs> yeah, that is too funny. Hey, we but... have a question in the chat. This one comes from GSM times two. And wants to know uh, hikes, backpacking. If backpacking, how many nights do you do you go backpacking, or are they just day hikes? I I do go for overnight hikes. So when I went up to Wedgemont Lake, I spent one night up there. Um, I the longest I've ever spent um, in the backcountry, like in the mountains, I spent three nights up at Garibaldi Lake, um, and also at uh, at Elfin Lakes in the same park in, in Garibaldi Provincial Park. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to get more into the overnight packing. I want to try to do Stein Valley, which is kind of northeast of Garibaldi Park. Um, that's definitely like a like a week long uh, excursion through through some incredible uh, backcountry terrain. Uh, I've been told you got to bring your bear spray. Um, there are grizzly bears up there, so. Um, yeah, uh, definitely um, a, a relief. Actually, it's funny because when I was going up to Wedgemont Lake, um, I. I was told, oh, geez, there are grizzly bears in Lillooet or in, in, in Whistler. And and I was, I was like, oh, okay, great. I should have brought bear spray. I did not bring bear spray with me. Um, and so I get to the top and I'm like, geez, this thing can go from zero to the revenant in like, you know, no time. <laughs> That's not a good benchmark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the guys who, who I was, who I was uh, um, camping with uh, said, Oh yeah, no, they're 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 in the Callahan. So the whole time I was hiking up the mountain, I was like, uh, I better not see any gigantic bears or walking around the corner. But um, I'm okay with black bears. That's that's fine. I just the grizzly bears, different different kettle of fish. So, but 
Uh, if you have of, a kettle like of fish, fish, you will definitely see the grizzly bears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three Ham also asked in the chat, uh, why do you both, you and Kyle, have a 94 in your geocaching handles? Uh, we were both born in 1994. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's that. That's the. I mean, I wish I could come up with a more creative answer, but that's 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 the truth. <laughs> well, it it just shows three hams age. So we're we're <laughs> okay with us. Yeah. we're okay with you three hams. You you can be old. Yeah. That's right. All good. The bad thing. So you've talked about a lot of different terrains, from glaciers to beaches to islands and all this stuff. How do you decide which high terrain cache that you're you're going to attempt next? Well. <sighs> It's a bit of a combination of let's take a look at the geocaching map and see what the geocaching map has to offer. Um, and also, you know, what resources do I have to get there? So if you have a helicopter that day. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I had $3,000 to pay the pay the pilot for fuel, I would I would do it. But, you know, it, the thing is with that, though, is that you don't get the same experience. When you when you when you're flying to the top of a mountain, you could have a picnic, no problem. And then fly back down, that's no problem. But um, but when you're hiking to the top, it feels like you 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 build a sense of accomplishment. Um, and uh, you know, people talk about bagging peaks. You know, like like going to the top of a mountain and saying, yeah, you know, when when you look up that when you look up at that mountain again, you can say that you've done that. You've you've been there. You've experienced it. You've um, you know. You 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 put one foot in front of the other and, and made it to the top and that I think that's what's 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 great about about hiking and, and it's a it's a very healthy thing too of course <laughs> so um, but yeah I mean I I kind of look at the map I'm like okay can I can I get there and do I have do I have crampons do I have mm -hmm. you know snowshoes um, and which I do not have crampons they uh, I, next investment at some point but uh, yeah I mean it's I I tend to to just look at um, look at caches, you know, around the North Shore Mountains, um, and I and I kind of look at the trail, the the trail reports, um, and yeah, it, it's kind of that's that's how I that's how I kind of figure out which high terrain cache I'm going to go for. <laughs> All right, so it sounds like we're, we're starting to get into a little bit about the planning, and that's what I think we want to talk about next. So once you've picked your your destination, you've figured, okay, I've got the resources to get there, I believe, uh, and you know, it's it's a it's a juicy a uh, green box or, you know, whatever color it happens to be on, on the map. It's not a yellow smiley yet. Um, so I'm going after it. What, uh, what are the first steps you take in planning your hike, Keith? Well, if it's a serious backcountry hike, um, I will, I, like I said, I will look at the trail reports. Um, I will check to see if the trail is closed, um, whether or not there are any washouts um, or anything to be, to be alarmed about, uh, alarmed about like, you know, grizzly bear, warnings and all that kind of stuff but, uh, um and i will also look at some of the caches in the area about you know the, the found it logs people's experiences you know any glow worthy logs that i should be aware of um so yeah that's that's kind of what i what i look at and i also look at the roads as well the road maps uh to see how i can get there and also if i can get there by public transit because you know i i was i always feel like I, I should take more advantage of public transit now that i have a car um definitely is a is a luxury to have a car and and um if i if i can take you know a bus to to wherever i need to go it's 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 a good thing to do so better for the environment that way that is true that is true are there many buses that lead you to trailheads of uh, challenging hikes um well i mean for for one 
Sorry? I was going to say, in the North Shore, there are. You can get to a lot of the trailheads by bus. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. There's the 236 bus that leaves from uh, Lonsdale Key uh, that goes up to Grouse Mountain, up to the base of Grouse Mountain, where you can do the famous Grouse Grind, uh, Nature's Stairmaster, and uh, some some excellent uh, um, yeah hikes. There's also... Um, the 232, if I can remember that correctly. Um, and yeah, that, that takes you to the same location from a different location near, near where the second narrows or the, the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge is uh, on the North Shore. Um, and also, I mean, even in, um, in, in Maple Ridge, you can take the bus out. Uh, it's a bit of a walk further up. The buses don't go as frequently out there, but you can, uh, you can take the bus out to the base or at least near uh, Golden Ears Park. Um, and uh, I don't know, hitchhiking is illegal, but you could, <laughs> someone could probably offer to take a ride up there, can give you a ride up there. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's a, it's a long drive up to Golden Ears Park. Um, so um, yeah, definitely, I would recommend having a car for that. For at least for for that particular park, um, but um, yeah, I mean there are a lot of at least in the Lower Mainland. I'm sure I, I imagine there might. I, I don't know for for you guys in the, you know down below the border if there are any buses that can. Are, are there any buses that that, that can take uh, you to some cool spots? I don't think we have any buses here in the U.S. that do anything good for us. <laughs> they take you to work. Maybe. <laughs> Not even. Uh, not even the, 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 what is it? The, the train, there's a, the, the sounder. Remember hearing about the sounder. The sounder like, will take that, you into Seattle. Train. Yeah. yeah. It'll take you into Seattle. There's no good hikes in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Now. I guess it's pretty flat over there. Yeah. Well, no, Seattle has some serious hills, but uh, it's not the wilderness you're looking for. No. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's wilderness and there's wildlife, but it's not the same type you're looking for. Now, you mentioned earlier that, you know, when you're looking to plan a hike, you determine, do I have the gear that I need to do that? Um, it sounds like you, you have some specialized gear already. What is your quote unquote standard carry for one of these hikes? Uh, standard carry for me, um, well, I'll start off with, I mean, kind of the, the, the essential thing. And I, I was saying it's really good to have a first aid kit and a really well stocked first aid kit. Um, that's something that you can, that you can kind of work on over time. I know that, uh, survivor man, less, less Stroud, he has a show on, uh, mm-hmm. anyway, you, he's, he's got a show on somewhere uh, and he talks about, uh, you know, ba- basically making sure that you have adequately stocked uh, band-aids um, that you know what is in that first aid kit. Um, that's, that, that's, that's key, I think. Um, and of course, you know, a good jacket, hiking boots as well. Um, I, I actually uh, brought my Gore-Tex jacket and it's got some sound to it. It's probably picking up some weird feedback on the microphone, but uh, this, this is a three layer Gore-Tex jacket um, and uh, it does the trick. It's very breathable, it's very waterproof. Um, and uh, it actually has one of these hoods that kind of uh, folds around. Uh, let's see if I can get this up. Uh, it, it can kind of, it, it doesn't actually fall in front of your eyes because you can you can adjust it in the back here. Yeah, I so like um, this is the MEC Synergy Jacket. Um, and MEC, for example, is, is, is the equivalent of, of REI uh, in, in the United States. Um, actually, MEC uh, started off with with a kind of REI's business business plan. Um, and um, yeah, what, what else do we have here? Um, oh, 
like I said, a good um, hiking boots. I brought, brought my hiking boots over here. Still got to actually, I, I got to wash them still. But uh, uh, this is the Mammut uh, High Trovat GTX um, hiking boots, and um, it is suede. They all they also come in Nubuk apparently. Nubuk is it's basically the inside out part of of, of the leather. Um, and you can actually re re waterproof this and uh, and wash it as well. I think it's really crucial to to wash and re waterproof waterproof uh, uh, hiking boots. Um, you know, every time that you that, that you get back from a hike, um, that's that's I think very important. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, and um, I mean, I tend to actually I tend to forget to bring these. These are my uh, Synergy Gore-Tex pants. Um, they they do the trick as well. They're very breathable, very waterproof. Uh, they too are also three layer, uh, three layer Gore-Tex, very durable as well. Um, my the, the Synergy jacket as well is, is pretty durable um, uh, too. So um, definitely uh, worth bringing those if it's if it's raining. I, I find that that's that's always good to have. But I tend to forget my hiking boots. So um, yeah. Um, what else? Oh yeah, and of course the merino wool uh, base layers. I didn't bring uh, merino wool with me here, but um, I can show you a synthetic version. Uh, this is my uh, MEC T2 uh, synthetic shirt. Very quick drying, very breathable, um, and uh, it's. I mean, it's not. It, it, merino wool has a very uh, temperature regulating antimicrobial quality to it. Um, the, the, the synthetic version is a bit more of a simpler model, um, a simpler material, um, still keeps you warm, uh, but it won't necessarily be antimicrobial. So it, it may, it may show some odor, uh, over time, uh, depending on how, how often it's worn. So um, just yeah. going to jump in for a sec. So, uh, a lot of mention of MEC products. So full disclosure, <laughs> where is it that you work? <laughs> <laughs> I work at Mountain Equipment Co-op, uh, also known as MEC. Uh, yeah. In, oh, in Vancouver, now so. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I'm going to throw in there though that I buy a lot of my stuff. I don't work for MEC, but I buy a lot of my stuff there as well because I do carry good quality product, and mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that you're sharing is really excellent quality product. So uh, just, you know, full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to accidentally advertise for MEC. I will say there are some excellent brands out there as well that are not just MEC. Um, outdoor research as well, worth worth checking out. Um, Mammut, we're actually at, at our store, we're bringing in a lot of Mammut jackets. So not just hiking boots, um, jackets. Uh, and what else do we have? We have, I mean, La Sportiva, they have some excellent mountaineering boots. Uh, they have some excellent shirts as well, meant for climbing. Usually, they tend to be more climbing oriented. They've got some excellent climbing shoes if you're into if, if you're into rock climbing as well. So um, definitely, um, yeah, like I'm 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 definitely going overboard with the MEC stuff. But you know, we Mountain Equipment Co-op, we also sell some other uh, excellent brands, Patagonia as well. Yeah. But it is also called Patagucci for a reason. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> nice. All right. So I interrupted you. Um, you were talking about uh, your your merino wool, which again, I've been an advocate for merino wool as a base layer for as long as I've known about it. Um, yeah, it's going to cost you a bit more, but you will be thankful you made the investment. Um, so yeah, so you're talking about that and you're moving up to the mid layers. Mid layers, yeah. Um, the mid layers consist. I I brought my mid layer anyway. Um, the mid layers are are pretty good. Uh, the the two primary mid layers that we have at Mountain Equipment Co-op 
our fleece and in insulated and insulated jackets. Um, so I, I tend to like fleece in the sense that it is quite breathable. Um, it's also quick drying. Uh, most of the fleece that we have at MEC is synthetic. So when you're in the mountains, when you're in humid environments, that thing's going to dry quickly when it clears up. And obviously, I highly recommend wearing a rain jacket over top of, of any mid layer. Of course, that's that's a that's a given if it's if it's raining. Um, but I, I actually have been very impressed with even being in the rain with a fleece, uh, how how quickly it dries over time. But uh, still, don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other then the other um, material that we have um, is um, or the type of, of jacket we have is uh, insulated jacket. So kind of like the puffy ones that you see. Um, those ones we have we have the the MEC uplink jacket. I'll start with that one. The MEC uplink jacket is is fantastic. It is a very lightweight, um, breathe, relatively breathable, uh, wind resistant, rather I, I would say um, pretty warm uh, uh, insulated jacket. And what is fantastic about the uplink jacket is that it folds into its breast pocket. So you basically turn it inside out, mm -hmm. and it becomes this little pillow thing. You can even you can even use it as a pillow, you know, for 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 when you're camping. Um, and it's it's just it's very compact and light and um, it's not only lightweight to pack in a backpack, but it's also it just feels so lightweight on your body. And it's it's um, very it's an excellent invention from 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 MEC. Um, and the and the insulation that actually is put into the uplink jacket is a type of Prima Loft insulation. Uh, Prima Loft is a very quick drying uh, type of insulation that is also much like merino wool stays warm when it's when it's dry or sorry when it's when it's wet um i mean it, it's not great when it's saturated with water but it's it, it definitely has its you know it has its perks with uh with keeping warm when it's when it's wet so um definitely designed for humid environments uh like in the northwest so um yeah, we also have some Patagonia down jackets as well. If you're going, if you're hiking into drier climates, down works really well. Um, down does tend to soak up moisture a little more, uh, so be careful about that. But uh, um, still, you know, if you're going out to, if you're hiking around Winnipeg, for example, uh, which, you know, it's not in many uphill mountains around there, but or not many uphill hikes, but um, definitely uh, bring, bring that because it's a drier climate, um, as well as yeah any type of in interior hiking down should be fine that's 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 totally fine and uh some of the some of the jackets that we sell at, at mec uh, we have the patagonia down sweater and we also have uh some brand new rab uh the brand called rab uh and we have their their insulated jackets quite expensive but definitely uh they they've got a very waterproof nylon kind of shell around it so it does protect the down to a certain extent uh in humid conditions so um yeah there you go uh, so now you're calling this a mid-layer and so we've talked about a base layer and mid-layer implies that there may be one more layer the oh, base layer well we started the base layer we talked about yeah. the, you know and then we now you're just talking about the mid-layer and the, the outer layer the the the, the rain right. jacket of course <laughs> So yes, the, um, the the rain jackets that we have at MEC, like I showed you with the Synergy jacket, um, very durable, very breathable. Uh, we also have a, a more of a, a lower price point models like the MEC hydro, um, hydrofoil jacket. Those jackets are very waterproof. 
uh, they don't have as much breathability, but we did release a, a new jacket called the Hydrofoil Stretch Jacket. The Hydrofoil Stretch Jacket is a little more breathable. It's got like 15,000 breathability units to it. Um, and it is about the same level of almost, I think around the same level of, of waterproofness. So um, MEC realized that the older Hydrofoil Jacket was very similar to the Aquinator Jacket, which is another one that we sell. Um, so we thought we would differentiate and change the material up a little bit. So we still sell the Aquinator, which is a, a you know a, still a very waterproof but not exactly breathable jacket. Uh, but the MEC Hydrofoil Stretch Jacket is something that you know is more geared for the day hiker, the, pe the people that want to pack away a jacket in case it rains. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that that definitely is different from something like a like a Gore-Tex jacket, which is meant to be out in the rain for long periods of time. Great for folks actually who are in the movie industry. Um, who who are standing out on sets for long periods of time too. So um, we also sell out the research jackets. The what are we selling now? We're selling the Alpine Go jacket, the women's Alpine Go jacket that has uh, twenty eight thousand breathability. Um, sorry, sorry. The 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 Alpine Go jacket is is also an MEC jacket. It is um, it's got twenty eight thousand breathability units. Like I said, um, it has a lower breathability rate um, on it than than the um, than the MEC Gore-Tex Synergy. Both both of these jackets are Gore-Tex, by the way, um, the Alpine Go and the, and, and the Synergy. Um, and we have that in the men's version that's called the Tonquin jacket. Um, same material, same same uh, waterproof rating and breathability. Um, excellent packable jacket. Uh, the, the, both of these jackets, the women's and the men's um, of these types, uh, are um, 2.5 layer Gore-Tex. Uh, so it's a... It's a very, um, it's very, yeah, like, like I said, very packable, just not going to be necessarily as breathable as something like a, like a three layer, but we are all different kinds of hikers and we are all, we all sweat differently. Uh, right. so, you know, it, it does come down to the individual. Um, sometimes it's, it's fine when you're wearing, you know, like the, like the hydrofoil stretch jacket or even the aquinator. Some people just don't sweat that as much, but some folks like myself, uh, need the breathability. Um, so Okay, so yeah. it sounds like there's when when you're looking at the outer layers, there's a lot of different factors that need to go in. You can't just go and grab, or you can, but you maybe shouldn't just grab the first yeah. jacket off the shelf and and use that. So it's good to go into a place where you can talk with someone like yourself mm -hmm. who really knows what they're talking about, and you can get some more info and then pick out the right outer layer. Now earlier you showed us your your boot, and you mm -hmm. talked a little bit about that, and I think that was the last thing you wanted to talk about here. Uh, when we, we're going through equipment here is just give mm -hmm. more insight. Uh, maybe just quickly, because we, we don't want to run the show too long, but sure. about boots. Yeah, uh, so the boots. Um, this is, uh, for example, this is the Mammut Hytrovat hiking, the, the, the Gore-Tex boot. Uh, one of the things I would recommend for boot care, um, definitely drop into MEC and schedule a, uh, a boot fitting appointment where a friendly staff member will help you find the right boot. Um, definitely, if you don't know what you're really looking for in a boot, uh, you'll you know you'll be asked some questions, and and they'll be able to sort you out and and, and hook you up with an with an excellent pair of of, of hiking boots. Um, so these are considered backpacking boots. There are day packing boot or day day hiking boots, um, as well as some mountaineering boots. Mountaineering boots are quite quite pricey, uh, but if you're you know going way up into like summiting Mount Everest, uh, having a good uh, La Sportiva um mountaineering boot definitely worth worth it so and also make sure you 
want, like I said, wash and rewaterproof um, because these things will last much longer uh, with with that with that in mind. Yeah, cool. you, you need to rewaterproof your boots on a regular basis. There's nothing worse than going out and having wet feet in a hike. Yeah. Well, yeah. buying a brand new pair of boots and just running around on the trail should be fine too, I think. Mm-hmm. It I minimizes the squelchy feeling. <laughs> I always feel like, yeah, there's like a, there's like a squelchy feeling that you get when your feet are wet and it makes that weird sound. I don't like that. No. no. Questions from the chat for you real quick. Do you carry any emergency location device, like a spot or an in-reach? That was uh, your question with GSMX2. Myself, I don't carry um, one. I, I I probably should. I will probably invest in an in-reach, uh, Garmin in-reach GPS where you can actually remotely send uh, texts via satellite. Uh, definitely worth worth the investment if you're going into those uh, dangerous hikes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, if you're if you're hiking up a snowy hill that might have an avalanche, always have a spot beacon. I have yet to experience that. So, um, you know, but when I, but when I do, when I, when I go up into, uh, into avalanche country, it's good to have a spot beacon for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris from Landshark says he got his ham radio license for emergency communications and carries a handheld radio. I've got one here similar. Oh, nice. And, uh, those are good. Uh, GSMX2 says, uh, he's tried that. Sometimes he's found people don't always monitor the frequencies, but uh, he also, Chris also follows up with that you can, uh, if you can hit a repeater in range, somebody can, usually somebody's near a repeater, even if they're not in your local area, they can call for help. So radios are great in spot, uh, in reach the spots. Those are all great tools. And I think we've talked about some of those in the past on different episodes. We have, we have. And uh, I mean, there's just so much to talk about when it's, you know, um, preparing to go out yeah. and get back home safe. And just to, um, you know, Keats mentioned earlier, uh, one of his essentials that he carries is first aid kit and reminder to folks that we'll talk about a little later, but in a very soon upcoming episode, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Alex is back on to talk to us. That's medicine man of Seattle um, about field first aid. So we're looking forward to that. But yes. in the meantime, Keith's question for you, have you ever encountered a situation where you thought to yourself, Oh, I really should have brought fill in blank or uh, what would that blank be? Well, uh, I have to say gloves. I mean, gloves, I am, I always forget gloves and I always forget ex, extra socks. And it just is, um, a, a nightmare, uh, when your hands are cold and you know, you're, you're trying to, to, to toggle the button on your GPS. And it's like, I can't move my hand. Like this is, this is not, this is not great. And you know, second stage frostbite sets in and you're like, okay, well, I should probably put my hands in my pockets now. Um, so Anyway, yeah, I definitely would recommend uh, bringing extra socks and, and gloves. Just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. Just do it. Yep. So a good base layer, good simple basics. Is there Are there things you'd change up depending on which hike you've got going? Uh, I, I mean, uh, th- that would be with me looking at, at, you know, what type of hike it is. I mean, I would probably bring... Uh, snowshoes if it's if, it, if i know that there's snow up there mm. um i would probably bring crampons if i know that i you know somehow will be crossing a glacier oh, yeah. i don't have that experience yet crossing glaciers but if i do i will definitely have to bring crampons um mountaineering boots as well same same kind of deal um so yeah um 
having a good backpack, a good sized backpack as well will help uh, with food. Always stock food. I mean, it's it's so it's so crucial. And um, another thing I should mention as well, um, uh, there's this electrolyte replacement stuff. I mean, when you're going on hardcore hikes, it's always good to uh, have electrolyte replacement uh, thing, uh, pills, I guess. Um, but they, they they dissolve in in in, in water and they basically replenish your electrolytes and uh, prevent you from, well, I guess, damaging your kidneys over time when, when you're excreting all this salt um, through sweat. Uh, so it's, that's definitely something that um, I, I, will bring, I, I would bring on something like, like my Wedgemont Lake hike, for mm. example. Um, very, very, very crucial in my opinion. Um, just, and especially for like long overnight hikes too, like several days. So. There you go. Nice. <laughs> now, on this show, we have talked, I don't know how many times, about the 10 essentials when planning a hike. Of, of those 10, what would you say are the most crucial elements, or should someone just always have all 10 with them? Uh, well, I mean, certainly bringing 10, all the 10 essentials is, 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 is great. And uh, I mean, what I would probably say uh, is, is key is, is, is the, you know, is the, the a good jacket. Uh, a, a very good, uh, you know, stocked, well-stocked first aid kit. Um, kind of just, you know, I mean, good uh, hydration as well. Having a uh, a um, a backpack uh, water bladder really helps. Mm -hmm. And I actually find that having a backpack water bladder uh, helps uh, because you know there's a straw that comes out and you can fit it. Usually most most day packs uh, will have a little hole that you can fit the straw through. And so as you're hiking, you can just drink out of the water bladder and through, through the straw as, as you're hiking, rather than having to take off your backpack, finding the, your water bottle at the bottom of your backpack and, you know, having to drink from, from there. Um, but it is always also good to bring a water bottle with you as well as a, as a backup for sure. One of the things that's actually really good about the, water bladder approach and and i recently did a bunch of research on hydration and, and wrote a, a blog article about it is that you're actually way better served to sip water on a regular basis rather than chug water at longer mm -hmm. intervals it actually is much better for your body so something to uh to keep in mind <laughs> three m's three m's is giving me a hard time in the chat because the first time i i did a cardinal sin i used new equipment on a tough hike without testing it out at home first. And I did not realize that there was a valve on my, um, my, my water straw out of my, my camel pack. And I was just, I could not get the water like, turning blue in the face. And then I realized there was a switch on there or somebody pointed yeah. it out to me and all of a sudden the water flowed much easier. So nice. it's, it's one of those things, right? You can carry the 10 essentials, but know how to use the stuff you're carrying. Um, another one that, uh, um, Henry in the chat threw out, it's a very simple one, but this time of year, bring a toque. Yeah. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lose a lot of body get through your head. Yeah. And, and Keith, you didn't get quite get to it yet, but one of the other items you had in, in your notes and I'll just share it because it's so important is the most important thing you can do prior to hike is let someone know where you're going and when you'll be back. And yeah, um, you know, call it a trip plan, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, we love the guys at adventure smart and all the work they do and communicating that out. So 
that whole concept is is essential as well. Yeah, search and rescue people are awesome, but we want them to be bored all season. God. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep keep hanging out at the station and yes. and, and and yeah, uh, I mean I, I guess most of the folks uh on the north of the 49th parallel uh are are, are volunteer. Uh so yeah. let them have free time. Yes. Let oh. them hang out with their families. Let them go hiking. Yeah. Exactly. Um so another thing that we wanted to ask you about Keats while you're here with the weather changing. So we were kind of already leading into this. What should hikers be considering to change about their equipment or their planning that they're doing? Um, I would bring a thicker mid layer um, as, as well as a more robust uh, base layer. Um, it's a, it's kind of a tough balance between sweating buckets and freezing like a popsicle. Uh, so, you know, you can control the mid layer. Uh, so, so make sure you, you, you know, you, you pack a warmer fleece um, or insulated jacket. Um, one of the things that I find that actually is great with the MEC uplink jacket is that in case it gets really cold, because it is so compact, you can bring a thick fleece and still pack the MEC uplink jacket in case it gets really cold. Um, so, you know, that's that's another good thing with with these really packable um, insulated mid-layer uh, uh, jackets. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, um, maybe make sure that, you know, depending on you know how humid it is or or lack thereof um think about bringing a down a, a down mid-layer uh, jacket because down is great in in really cold conditions so um definitely think about bringing that and um yeah there you go and i'm just going to throw in that uh i i love you guys over in the chat you're so on top of it they're they're basically running through oh, wow. all the other 10 uh -huh. candles in the chat right before excellent. us which is fantastic so uh headlamp uh, you know, yeah. a light source is one of the 10 essentials you should have. Extra batteries for your GPSR and or your smartphone. They, all these things are definitely things you should have in there. And yeah. uh, three hams threw in one of my favorites. It's not quite a 10 essential. I'll call it the 11th essential. It's a uh, a hip flask of rum. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> it's the 11th essential. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, and... Uh, um, GSM times two said, what's a toque? Uh, I think you guys call them beanies, but beanies. Oh, we, we call, well, we call certain beanies at, at Mount Equipment Co-op, uh, um, that, um, uh, certain toques beanies, depending on up, the, the insulation. I just grew up calling them a stocking cap or something. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. You guys in the chat are awesome. You, yeah. you obviously you've heard us once or twice talk about the 10 essentials or you know about it yourself anyway. So that's fantastic. Well, yeah. You know, it makes me feel good because safety is is the the utmost concern. So it's I'm so glad to see you guys, you know, telling us what to pack on the for the hike with the ten essentials. That means we're actually communicating. So yeah, huge thanks goes goes to those in the chat. That's that's really crucial. I can't believe I forgot the headlamp. Yeah, that the headlamp is so crucial, and having a good high lumen uh, headlamp as well is, is is really like 350 lumens is is really bright. Um, but yeah, definitely. There yeah, you no, thank you all. Yeah, a good heavy <laughs> flashlight is also good. You know, I've got a thousand lumen LED light, but uh, you know that's not going to last as long, or it's not as convenient as the headlamp. You've got to hold it in your hand, but it's good to beat a bear over the head. If you happen to come across one, there you go. Just not a grizzly. Yeah. Oh, okay. no. doesn't matter. Or beat your, your hiking buddy over the head so you can run faster than he can. Yeah. Don't yeah. be like Leonardo DiCaprio and the Revenant having to fight that grizzly. 
There you now, Keats, you've done a great job at laying out how to dress for changing conditions, especially now with the seasons and, and things can change quickly. Yeah. Uh, are you going to take that equipment and go on any upcoming hikes? Uh, I think I might, um, once the snow happens, probably head out to um, the North Shore Mountains and do a bit of uh, hiking and snowshoeing out there uh, for a bit and maybe head out to Bowen Island for a, <laughs> a hashtag maintenance of geocaches. Hashtag geocache maintenance. Um, definitely importantly, I've, I've got about five or six caches out there. So I've got to check on those and uh, maybe head up the Sunshine Coast and do some hiking around there. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to some new hiking uh, opportunities in wintertime. It's it's always so cool seeing, seeing the seasons change and uh, uh, seeing the snow, um, you know, dust the mountains and kind of creates a cool, uh, a cool, a very cool effect, actually, I, I have to say. So. There you go. Nice. Three Ham says you can also use that big, heavy flashlight to beat your snoring hiking buddy into silence. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and wow. Brian, no, no one need to nuke those caches. They're they're still there. They're on Bowen Island. <laughs> they're, they're fine. They're all good. Awesome. <laughs> right. Well, Keith, thank you so much. It was great to have you on here. We're we're going to wrap up this part of the show here. Um, there was a ton of information. Clearly. If you want to uh, go into Mountain Equipment Co-op when Keats is working and uh, get him to really dig into what products and, and stuff to buy to make sure you're properly equipped, um, he'll be happy to help you. But, uh, you know, if whether it's REI, Mountain Equipment Co-op, Mountain Warehouse, wherever you go to get your kit, um, I think a lot of the stuff, Keats, that you shared with us is really valuable information that we need to be thinking about when we prep ourselves to get out and go hiking in the mountains. And... Again, I'm just going to reiterate, most importantly, trip plan. But that all said, Keats, thank you. You're so welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to be back on the show. It's, 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 it's an awesome uh, privilege to have. Well, thank you thank again. You. We appreciate it. You're and so welcome. <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. Because, you know, if you don't listen, there's no reason for us to do a show. Yeah, we'd probably still do it anyway. We'd probably do it anyway, yeah. Yeah, we did yeah. it with only one listener, so we'll we'll keep going <laughs> now that we have two or three. Uh, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Caching in the Northwest. Don't forget, there's going to be more next week. As Land Monkey said, we are going to be talking about performing field first aid with Dr. Alex. That's Medicine Man of Seattle. October 25th is trackable promotions with Geocaching HQ and the Ad Council. We're going to talk with Katie. Nice. We got some great shows coming up. And then we had, can you believe it? We're already into November after that. The episode 275 is November 1st. We're going to talk about Geocoin Fest and Geocoin Insights with Christian Mackey and JP. And in the 8th, the Olympic Geo Tour. Um, 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 no, that's different. This is the Olympic Parks. It's like five rings of geocaches, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to that. So we got some great shows and then there's even more great shows lined up after that. So if you've enjoyed this, um, you know, make sure you give it a thumbs up. Make sure you follow us and like us and tell all your friends to listen to the podcast because it's more fun. The more people there are in the chat goofing off and sharing ideas and just having a good time in there. You guys are awesome. 
But before we go any further, I want to take a moment to thank Landsharks, our corporate Denali-level sponsor. Landsharks.ca is the outdoor adventure and geocaching store. Check them out online or go in person and visit their store in Victoria, BC. Keats doesn't work there. But That's right. If I ever move to Esquimalt, <laughs> expect to see my resume. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. <laughs> so thank you for your sponsorship, Landsharks, once again. And of course, we want to thank all of our faithful Denali-level supporters. That's Bounce Bounce, Team Squirrel, Limax, and WorldCaching.com. Folks, if you want to know more about supporting this show, click that Patreon link over on the CachingNW.com website. And our shout out to all of our patrons, our patrons through Patreon. Broncos Fan for Life, Sprouter, Camp Clan, Tick Magnet, Kev Mac D, Subway Mark Dormore, Dune Buddy, Kid Vegas 19, Geo Nav Pros, Wino Seattle, Acker Doc, Billy Robson, Gene Ice, and Tayus Keats 94, Trexer Zero, MC Three Cats, and Kennel Barb. Thank you very much. Well done, sir. Well done in one breath. Yeah, that right. Was, that was impressive. And Keats, yes, I will also throw in my thank you once again. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would you like them to reach you? Well, you can always reach me uh, at uh, well Instagram uh, at Keats Morton. Uh, it's, it's my full name. I might change that pretty soon. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of my main my main go to uh, for you know uh, easy to contact stuff. Uh, you can also reach me, um, I guess, on Twitter. Also at Keats Morton. Um, I'm not that active on Twitter, but check me out and add me on Facebook if you want. And uh, always and uh, be sure to like uh, Keats ninety four is geocaching adventures and expect to see two more um youtube videos they're currently in the editing stage uh one of little wet and one of wedgemont lake so sounds yeah. great you can see all the things we talked about in living color indeed land monkey how about you well uh if you hadn't heard it before you're gonna hear it now you can find us on youtube where we've been putting season one which is our baltic adventure videos up uh we had a new one that just released this week which is uh our interesting adventure around finland you know what to do when trump and putin screw up your geocaching plan <laughs> you're wondering what to do we've got all that advice on youtube so yeah nice. check us out l-a-n-m-o-n-k-e-y on youtube otherwise check us out follow us twitter instagram and periscope at land gc we're posting stuff all the time because we're never home we're always doing an adventure I, I come home to do this podcast and then I go on another geocaching adventure. That's basically the way it works. I think that's pretty much true. <laughs> and our blog at landmonkey.blogspot.ca or adventuregeocaching.com. Wits end, my friend. Mm. How do people find out about Shoe Plotler? You know, geocaching.com, you can find me at Wits end and I can talk about Shoe Plotler there. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Not Google Plus. I closed that account this week after some news. Don't worry, Google Plus is closing. So yeah, that's why I closed it. There were some uh, stories online about if you have a Google Plus account, you should go close it. And I thought, you know what? I never use it, <laughs> so yeah, I went and closed it. So don't try to contact me there. Except for <sighs> Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those kind of things. Chris, how about you? Is that why you haven't been responding to any of my messages? Who? What? All the ones you sent on Google Plus. Yeah. <laughs> for years, I've been waiting for him to respond. Hey, you know what? You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CachingNW. Those are where I'm the most active. Or head on over to CachingNW.com slash hosts, read our bios, and find all those links we just mentioned. And including the ones that shouldn't be there anymore from Google+. I think I'm going to go take those off tonight. Oh, yeah. I should take those on, too. 
So for all of you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time, taking your valuable time to listen to this episode of Caching in the Northwest. Why don't you want to be, (laughs) come be part of our show. And maybe you can read this closing way better than I do. Isn't it great to be on a live podcast? (laughs) Give us a call. 253-693-TFTC. Leave us a comment. Ask us a question. Give us a piggyback ride to the summit. Loan us your merino wool. No, don't do that. You know, you can do that anytime, day or night. And you can always email feedback at cashingnw.com. We got an email from Tick Magnetist this week. Your support helps keep quality shows coming and someday might help me learn to read better. <laughs> if you like this show, click the Patreon link on the cashingnw.com website and subscribe on iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcast applications. This show is produced by Chris Umpenauer and Jay Kennedy and hosted by Chris J and Jim Paltz. This show is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license copyright 2018 by Chris Umpenauer. Now, hang out and chat with us for a little while. The after show in that thing. That was an awkward lead in that time. I was waiting to the see after, what happened if I didn't, the, if I didn't the, intro the, it. The, it comes the, anyway. The after show. That, 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 that will just never, ever go away, I think. There you go. Oh, uh, we got a few. Do we you got need to re-record that one day? <laughs> uh, okay. So why don't we handle the uh, hashtag fatasses from the chat? Um, we've got a few that have gotten dropped in here, which is fantastic. And um, once those are over, if we've still got some time, I'm going to ask my question. Okay. Well, let's start with the first one from Trexer. Uh, it says, Fatas, three where I go finds after last week's episode. Nice. So, wow. God. Congratulations. Cool. Awesome. So, hopefully, you were inspired to go find some wigs. Wigs? Wigs. Where Len Monkey goes. Where Len Monkey goes. <laughs> Now, Starcasher, who I'm claiming is the research department for this episode, because he says, from the internet, uh, parasitic wasps help farmers and gardeners by naturally controlling crops by killing those insects that are harmful to the crops. By doing so, these beneficial insects help reduce the insect pest populations and thereby help growers improve their field and garden produce. Benefit of wasps? As a group, wasps provide extraordinarily important ecological services, including pollination, predation, 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 predators, predators. and I just, sorry, I've never seen these combinations of letters, parasitism, Parasitism. Parasitism. and, you know, killing parasites, uh, Simply put, without wasps, we'd be overrun with insect pests, and we would have no figs, and sadly, no fig newtons for uh, Cookie Monster. <laughs> I threw in the Cookie Monster bit. Speaking of pronunciations, I looked up gelada while we were mm. so It's apparently, it, I saw two pronunciations listed online, both with the soft G, as gelada or gelada. Which I always thought was a Italian ice cream. So uh, Yeah, well, I would rather eat that. Than a monkey, chilled a monkey. monkey brains. We've seen it in Indiana Jones. Oh, so it must be true. Yeah, it's a th- I it's saw a- it on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, too funny. Well, we all thought that. Well, most of us thought that wasps must serve some useful purpose, but I still don't like them. No, 
doesn't mean you have to like them. I like them just fine out somewhere else doing all that pollination, predation. Let them kill pests all day long. Leave me alone. Yes. How about that? (laughs) I'm not a pest. Wow. (laughs) says, personally, I'd give up fig newtons if we could get rid of wasps. (laughs) (laughs) Like a fair trade to me. (laughs) Oh. Hey, uh, Keats, we've got a hashtag fatas from Brylang. Uh, he's asking if you have clothing suggestions for cold weather kayaking. Ah, well, I mean, uh, kayaking clothing is not my type of, it's not my expertise, but um, I would definitely say having a nice thick merino wool uh, base layer um, like the, the MEC T3 um, can, can work pretty well as, a, as an initial base layer. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're kayaking, you're going to want to have some nice quick drying um, stuff. So even more of a synthetic uh, uh, T3, MEC T3, which is the thickest uh, type of insulation for, for a base layer, um, definitely worth it. And then also having um, like a quick drying fleece i mean as long as as long as you don't capsize too much you know <laughs> too much you should be, like one well, time it should be good <laughs> land sharks chris headley in the in the chat is throwing a dry suit which is probably yeah. a really good suggestion because definitely a certain amount of mobility um and the big thing i would say is um uh paddling gloves yeah neoprene is 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 really good for for that for sure so there you go there's some stuff. So I think I think that's all our hashtag fatas. So now mm-hmm. I can throw my question in. If you're just starting out, are they paddle one paddling gloves? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, okay. <clears throat> all right. So my hashtag, my hashtag, I can do the fingers thing. Because if you're listening, you really are missing out on me doing the hashtag. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Hashtag fatas. Um, wits end. What hmm. were you up to last weekend? Well, I... It's Oktoberfest. And? So I was at Oktoberfest all weekend. And what were you doing at Oktoberfest? Well, Schuplatla, of course. Ich bin ein Tanzer. Ich tanze Schuplatla. There you go. So if anybody is listening to this podcast and they haven't heard us talk about Schuplatler before, what is Schuplatler? Schuplatler is a dance from Germany. Literally translated, it's shoe slapping. And it's it uh, involves a lot of slapping of the leather lederhosen, slapping of the shoes, and uh, it's all like a lot of things in history. It's you know the guys do it to impress the ladies, don't you know? So, so did you impress see. some ladies? Uh, well, I always hope so. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, here's here's one that uh, I don't know. I can share a video for a little quick. You know. There you go. So, so if you're watching live, you get to see. Wits end doing shoe father. This was one. So let's see. Doing. What is there? Are there five couples there? This one there was. Yeah. There. We should right really on? let Jim talk because otherwise we take over the videos. So there's a little state, little taste anyway. There you go. So if you're just listening to this on audio, you've downloaded, you really got to go onto YouTube and just watch the last end of this. But uh, Jim, if people wanted to see more of Shoe Flutler, well, is there a website they could go to? Oh, there's tons of websites. Here, let me show you one more clip. Okay. Um, my grand, my dance group is based in Seattle. It's Enzian Shoe Flutler. Enzian is a small blue f- alpine flower. 
much like everybody knows the Edelweiss is the white flower from Sound of Music. Yeah. NCN is a blue flower. So NCN Schuppadler. You can most easily find it by looking at it's NCN Seattle on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There you go. And there's links there to the website and everything else. Such, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of photos there. Here's a different piece that we did this. Um, I am on the uh, coming up on the far right of your screen there. This is there's always a real popular piece there. I could play the music, but we call it the flying dance because the ladies fly here. Wow. Lots of coordination there. <laughs> so it's a heck of a lot of fun. It's the uh, only aerobic workout I get every week. And <laughs> some great people and there's beer. And it's kind of now, is this really sort of the busy season for you guys? Yes. We two the two biggest seasons are spring and fall. We do lots of, of my fest, May fest in the spring and lots of Oktoberfest. We did the, the club did Olympia German club, uh, Oktoberfest. I was working uh, the fair at that time. They did the Austria club in Seattle. And then we went to Portland, Oregon and danced in the Widmer Brothers Oktoberfest down there. Then this weekend was Puyallup. This coming weekend, I'll be up in Seattle again at the Eastside German Language School, Saga, Seattle German Academy Oktoberfest. And a week from Saturday, the club will be up yeah, at Leavenworth on the 20th. There you uh, go. Sadly, I won't make that trip. I have to work. Oh, that's You sad. get to uh, dance at the Mariners again this year? We didn't do the Mariners this year. They uh, they hired a great band that we're good friends with, Happy Hans. Uh, they decided to go with a band instead of a dance performance. So we yeah. went to Portland instead and did that Oktoberfest. Nice. You you didn't do the Mariners, but you did Microsoft this year, didn't you? We also yeah we did a Microsoft. I forgot that that was a weeknight. We did the Microsoft Company party Oktoberfest party for for that. So yeah, it's a busy time of year. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. GSM times two in the chat says, oh, yes, the chicks must go crazy over that. In fact, you swept them right off their feet. Of course. (laughs) With the flying Uh, dance. That's that's fantastic. So, yeah, a couple of did a couple of pieces this weekend that were brand new to me. Um, uh, The dances were new. It's the the first time that I had performed them. So uh, they went well. Nobody died. That's always, Nobody died. That's always a good benchmark. Yeah, I try to set that bar that real low like that. But. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I think that takes us to quarter after ten. It's been a, a long episode, but a lot of information. A we good, should probably uh, yeah, a good informative episode. Jim, thank you so much for sharing about the shoe flatler at the end of the <laughs> after show. I I was just dying to see some of that video and hear you hear you share about it. Um, I just think it's so cool. I really love the fact. It's a lot of fun. You should try it sometime. And there is one of our uh, clubs in our West Coast district is in Vancouver. There's a Vancouver dance club. So one of these days we're going to go up there and visit them and I'll be sure to let you guys know. Fantastic. Nice. Hey, folks, thank you so much for sticking with us through the after show. And until next week, get out and get captured in the Northwest.